Happy Thursday, everyone. And we're talking college football because college football is back. And this week, we're joined by the UVA legend, Amon Hawkins, Mr. Ballhawk, who has his podcast now on the Believe Network. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Maybe we'll get some Petty Hawk on the show, too. I don't know, man. Petty Hawk, not, not liked by a lot of people, but I appreciate it. Um, the legend thing, I always, I'm always like kind of hesitant to accept that, but I know it's because of one place. So I'm appreciative <laughs> of, of that of that kindness right there. Well, you're a legend to me because you've been very welcoming to me on the Virginia Beat from back in 2013 when I was a very green reporter to right now. So that's why you're my legend. Yeah, man. I mean, the thing is, we are one. I, I stepped into the media lane. It's like, who am I to withhold information or jewels that I have because I would want folks to do the same for me. And they have done that for me. So um, no problem. So let's get you know right to the football because I know you're excited. You feel the energy around grounds. They had that pep rally fourth side uh, at Scott Stadium a few weeks ago. Do you feel this energy around the program? Just you know from a, from former alumni, from the players. Yeah, man. Coach Elliott has done a, a great job of just re-energizing the excitement around the program. Um, just his approach. Um, he's a genuine human being, and with his coaching staff and just trying to tap into the previous traditions that were here at UVA, not trying to recreate the will, but just pulling from the greatness and putting his own mark on it. And um, he he's just been a, a welcoming sight because, you know, with his hiring, there was a lot of back and forth buzz because of another legend who name was in the coaching hat. And it kind of got lost in being genuinely happy for him because people thought it was like a concession, but it, it really wasn't. It was just like, didn't matter who was the who was going to embrace whoever the coach was, but it's just who his running mate was. If this was like an election, but yeah, man, he's done a great job, and I'm excited every time I talk to him. He's always excited about having former players there and um, opening up the doors to allow us to speak to the players about the former traditions of of the winning traditions that we had and how did it feel to be a part of that. I was going to say, he not only has welcomed former players, but he has former players still on staff, which yeah. to me, it shows a lot of commitment to keep that Virginia tra the tradition. You got Clint Sinton, obviously Chris Lade, Marcus Higgins, who's been here for a while. Yeah. And what have you seen from the uh, alumni who has come back? Obviously, we've seen Hiff Miller around campus. We've seen Chris Long around campus. What around grounds? I know people are going to tell me on the comments that I should stop saying campus. I'm sorry, guys. Hey, around yeah. grounds, when what have you been seeing from these guys coming back? You know, it's just something that so Tony is building on the momentum that Bronco created because he started opening that that channel with the former players because the previous regimes it, it kind of fractured. Um, Mike London did a good job of trying to bring it back. And then when Bronco came in, he really wanted former alum to come back. And then Tony just took it to another level with the help of, of Carla. Um, you know, Ms. Williams does a great job of just reaching out, being very personable. And um, at the press conference, Coach Elliott made it a point of welcoming back former players, letting them know that you will have full access to practice. Nothing will be limited to you guys because this is your program. And we wanted to welcome him as well. And it's just been a dynamic connection. Like he's super genuine. He always makes time for everybody that, that wants to speak with him. Yeah. I remember the first scrimmage. Um, there was a, a big push for alumni to visit that weekend. You had the luncheon afterwards as well. So it seems there is 
that big hope of come see us, come help us. And at the end of the day, that's what the program needs is that injection of excitement around the alumni base, because at the end of the day, those are the guys who donate money so that those pretty facilities get up. Yeah, definitely, man. The facility has been a topic of discussion since Bronco got here. Um, we just broke ground on it this week. So that's that's a welcoming sight. But, you know, VAF, they do a great job. And, you know, we appreciate the fans who've been given since I, I played here and allowed me to play on a, a full grant aid. So we're always appreciative of the fans and how giving that they are and the fact that they come to the Scott and cheer us on even when we have down years. And we just want to have a winner for them with the world open back up because before we went to COVID, we won nine games and we didn't really get to reap the benefits of having that nine win season because the world closed up. So um, the fans mean a lot to us and the fans definitely mean a lot to Coach Elliott and his coaching staff and his team. Yeah, and I'm appreciative of what you know the game so well. So let's go back to some college football too. I know we always talk about Virginia returning so many guys on the offensive side of the ball. But, mm-hmm. you know, we talk about Brendan Armstrong. We talk about the wide receivers. We, we know they have a lot of skilled players. But I want to talk about the secondary. Obviously, okay. you have expertise in that in that position. So that's always the big question when a fan asks me, what does a secondary look like? I personally think the secondary was they were rightfully criticized, but also unfairly criticized. I think a yeah. lot was placed on them last year, a lot of blame when things were going wrong ahead of them. And as you know, if things go wrong ahead of you, things can spiral out of control. And sometimes a missed assignment in front of you or missed gap, the secondary guys are going to take the flag. So yep. when you look back at film from last year, do you feel like the secondary guys were placed in unfortunate situations sometimes where when you look back, you're like, you know, I can see why some people are criticizing, mm-hmm. but at the same time, he was late to the tackle because he shouldn't even have to have done that. Yeah. I get called apologists a lot um, because like, I don't believe in really tearing down a young student athlete to the point like I do with pros, they pay and you're a pro. So who cares what I say, but a young student athlete, uh, especially ones that I have relationships with, I like to like build them up. It's like, I'm not lying to them, but I'm giving you the entire picture. Like you said, so you got to think, we went from having a Juan Thornhill and a Bryce Hall to Devontae Cross and Nick Grant, basically safeties playing corner, being ultimate team players, especially a guy like Devontae Cross. And so you have guys who are learning on the job and just doing what they can to better help their, their squad. And we throw a new scheme out there. And in camp, it looked like it would do well because it's camp, you know, like, like, this might work after about two games. Like this not going to work, but no. <laughs> you know, you, you just can't just go to Madden and pick a, a different scheme. Like you got to stick with what you got. And as a DB, I'm only as good as my front. Like I could be the best cover guy, but if guys aren't getting adequate pressure, I'm at, like, I'm on that Island. I'm going to get toasted. And a lot of times we got toasted. Now tackling is a different story. Tackling that's, there's no defending that guys got to tackle better, but, when it comes to covering little fundamentals, when you play the position, you re, you 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 rep a lot, right? You rep your fundamentals a lot. But we all know when we're not confident, those fundamentals don't mean jack. Like we shut down. Like if you're not confident playing corner, you're done. That's why corners talk so much. 
It's self-talk. I'm talking myself up. I'm the best. I'm going to do this because people AJ see my, knows a thing about talking. Yeah. Like my <laughs> petty hawk side is my DB side. Like he's going to talk because I, that's my confidence. I'm showing you, I'm not worried about anything. And those guys let a lot of things linger because nothing good ever took place of that. I mean, AJ did well though. Yeah, like, he did. He did well. He's just a confident guy. And that's his natural position. So, like you said, a lot of things played a role. Um, those guys didn't play well last year and the year before. Um, and that's unfortunate because they followed behind some huge acts and a uh, uh Bryce Hall who got drafted, Juan Thornhill who got drafted. So it they hey man, I would hate to be the guy up next, and they were the guy up next. Yeah, and when you look at what the scheme under Coach Rudd looks like, a lot of pressure on Darius Bratton and the field safety role, which is probably yes. one of the most important positions in this scheme. And when you look at Bratton's career, talk about a guy who's laid his body in the line for the team and just did anything was asked, played corner, played safety, played field safety. He did everything for this yeah. team. And I think, you know, he was saying he's finally healthy. He finally feels confident. And you talked about AJ. He's a guy who coach Cox said to me, it's great when you hear him talking because he actually just loves the game so much and that just goes through the team. Um, and you look at the rest of the secondary and you see experience guys who, although we miss some of those veterans, you see Antonio Clary who had game time experience. Yep. Um, you see other guys in sophomores Control. you have for control, but you also have guys who have been behind learning. And I'm more intrigued from these young guys who we've seen flashes here and there, like Jonas Sanker, mm -hmm. those guys coming up. So when you see this new scheme with five DBs out there, how confident are you in this group with what the talent you've seen? So for the record, I'm always confident in what we have. So um, I know a lot of fans that kid me like, you know, he's going to speak highly. Yes, I'm going to speak highly. Um, so I'm happy for Darius. Darius position reminds me of when Brent Nelson was here playing in the old scheme that Bronco and Nick Howard ran. Like I told folks, as good, as great as Bryce Hall was, the guy that made the difference being injured was Brenton because they that stabilized the defense, allowed you, allowed you to do a lot. Because if you look at it, a lot of college offenses attack with the slot, the slot receiver. We go to North Carolina, Josh Downs. We When Wicks, every time he got in the slot, it was a big play. We know how Billy Kent gets crazy in the slot or Keaton. Like you attack the slot because of shorter points. You go in versus the linebackers. And it's quick. So when you got a guys who can stabilize the slot, you can do a lot up front as far as running twists and games, attacking the A-gaps, making the quarterback relocate. Will you climb the pocket, climb the ladder in the pocket, will you try to get out the back end? But when they know they can attack that slot, you you have nothing because the ball is coming out quick. We see that in the pro game. So um, I'm anxious to see how, how Darius does in that position. First of all, Coach Cox is a very good teacher. At corner, he played the position. He played with the Broncos. He was with the Broncos when I was with the Colorado Cross in the Arena League. So I got to see him when he was playing and just talking to him. He talks my language, like just how to break, to block out the noise, right? Mm -hmm. And focus on your key. Because when you first play DB, you see all the keys and like you got all these vehicles and these keys and you're like, I'm going to drive all the cars. Like, no, focus on your car, meaning your read. A lot of times the noise bother our defensive backs to where we got confused on a lot of combo routes. And these guys have very good fundamentals because it's being drilled in them 
by a guy who played it. And he makes sure that that's reminded to them every day. Read your keys, because he said it. If you read your keys, it's easy. But if you don't read your keys, it's going to be some smoke back there, and you're going to be barbecued. He didn't say that part. I added that. <laughs> it's it's a nice embellishment. But no, I agree with you. I've been watching. You know, we were now allowed to actually watch practice. We've been to a few of them of open practices. And would always, you know, when you look in there, you always see them focus on fundamentals. You know, you always focus. I, I think the best quote from a defensive coach to me was Chris Slater working on trying to force a takeaway. And he told Chico Bennett, secure the tackle first, then try to get the ball. Secure the tackle first. And he, he kind of focused yes. on that. And, you know, you hear them and, you know, break down each part. You know, they're saying move your hips this way, position your foot this way, mm -hmm. put your arm this way. So it's it's not one little thing left unobserved. And these oh. guys are getting those the fundamental teachings. And a lot of them really love it. They, and and they've seen a huge difference. And it's the same with a defensive back, right? So a lot of times fans always say, oh, my God, look back for the ball. If I don't have control of the receiver's hip, I can't look back. The ball's not coming to me, you know? So any only time a DB can look back when they have control of that inside hip, it's called trap the hip. Because if I trap the hip and I look back, you can't get away from me. I have you. First of all, I teach, and I told AJ this, grab that inside wrist. Grab it. they Because referees human. They're going to look at your chest. They ain't going to see what's going on down. Take one of his hands away from him. Go on the prom with him. Grab that hand when you look up. So when this, when you feel your hand going up, uh-oh, the ball coming, now you can look up. So trap that hip. That's the only way you can look back. So what Slade said is correct. How can you really generate a turnover when you don't have control of the ball, carry? Right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And that's something that AJ has said himself during the interviews. Um, he's been really working on his ball handling skills. He said he's gotten a few pass breakups, but not enough interceptions. He wasn't. Yeah, I told him. Don't like PBU like picks. We go off the field with picks. PBU, we got line back up again. Exactly. Yeah. So he's he's been working on it. He wants to see his. He said he wants to see his pearly whites on the TV screen because every time you get a takeaway, now you get your face plastered on TV monitors across the facility. So uh, Chico Bennett said that he actually had a fumble recovery, so he got his face up there for a while. But he said AJ didn't that practice. They they keep score. What can I say? Well, they do. AJ's going to definitely keep score, just like he keep counting how many fishes he catch, too. Uh, AJ, uh, I still remember uh, going to the recruiting camps in June and AJ and Keaton fighting it out on which kids, these high school kids that they're mentoring, who beat who. And I'm like, guys, you're, not, you're betting on these high school players here. Who's winning? I was like, yeah, but it's my kid that beat his kid. I'm like, oh, <laughs> stepping back. <laughs> Um, we're going to take a quick break here, then we're going to come back and we're going to break down some Richmond. So we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Good Old Podcast. I'm Jack Franchuli here with Ahmad Hawkins, and we're talking college football. So we talked a little bit about the secondary in the first half of the show and just about the buzz around the program. UVA is going to play a game. They're going to host in-state Richmond on Saturday. I know a lot of people have bad flashbacks to last time, you know, Richmond and UVA played beginning of a, a beginning of a coaching tenure, <laughs> but there's different situations. I want to tell UVA fans, this is different situations. Bronco had a different program back then and Bronco isn't leaving a program in the same state that he received it. He's there's a lot of good talent on this team. So everyone yeah. breathe. 
But speaking of Richmond, they actually have some good weapons on this offense, Amon. I know I was looking. They they have VMI transfers, Reese Rudinsky at quarterback, the wide receiver, Jacob Harris, also a VMI transfer. And then they also have a new offensive coordinator from VMI, Billy Kosh. So talk about a good way to start when you have the whole big VMI pieces together. So it should be an easy transition. Yeah, man. Quarterback, he's an extension of the head coach. He was very successful. Um, the one year he was with that offensive coordinator, um, it's an air raid offense. Then he transferred to Maryland and uh, played backup last year. So now he, you know, he reunites with his OC as his top target, who's a, a record-setting receiver from VMI and one of the most accomplished receivers um, that's active right now. So the thing about those guys, they're going to be in unison. Um, he's a big receiver. He's like 6'4", 220. Got a big quarterback that can see over the line of scrimmage. That's a veteran, so it won't be easily rattled. And we know what the air raid can do. They can frustrate you because so many threats and, and, and so many different ways to get the ball in space. So um, this is definitely a great test for a coaching staff that wants to better identify if their players can focus on their keys and be consistent and playing high-level football. And I think this is a very good test coming out. And as you stated, Bronco inherited a fractured program. Mm -hmm. Tony inherits an intact program that didn't live up to expectations. So they, like, when Bronco got here, we didn't know who Kurt Benkert was. Mm -hmm. We know who B.A. is. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, college football is quarterback-driven by a lot, and five is one of the best in the whole entire nation. Yes, and I think there's a lot of expectations on this team because of who they return on that side of the ball. And that's actually the reason why I wanted to talk to secondary the first half of the show, because mm -hmm. I think this would be a good test for the secondary to see how they're adjusting to new scheme, because obviously Richmond is going to throw the ball a lot and they do have a veteran O-line yes, that's returning. Do. So they do have some protection there. You can argue that Virginia's biggest strength on the team. I know we always talk about wide receiver, but a lot of people ignore the defensive line. I think the defensive line is probably one of their strongest position groups because of the depth in there when you consider Ben Smiley's on the two deep and not starting in mm -hmm. that when you look. So I think the D line's one of their strongest. So but yeah, so when you look at this Richmond offense, I think it will provide a good test for the secondary. So that will be a good test for them and just see how they just adjust to this new scheme. But then on the flip side, I think this also allows the offense to have some fun with Richmond because Richmond is having some growing pains on that side of the ball, though they have some good linebackers returning them on. When you look mm -hmm. at them, they lost a lot of key pieces from last year. Yeah, they lost the entire defensive front, and those guys were very productive. Um, like they they produced at a high level. That was a, that was a good defense last year. Um, they had one of the best linebackers in their conference. Um, that kid gets after it. He's a tackling machine. He's like, you know, Nick is for us. Uh, but you know, they like it's funny, right? Like, so we're talking about we lost. Our entire offensive line, they lost their entire defensive line. So it was like, okay, who, which one of you new guys going to win? You know, so <laughs> that's why it's going to be very interesting how we attack them because, again, like both defenses are falling under the same trade. Like they don't know what we want to run on offense. We really don't know. Like we got an idea what they're running on offense, but it's different talent. So the air rate may not be the same as it was at VMI. Just like Coach Kitchen offense and Coach Elliott's influence may not be the same with the talent we have here, you know? So 
it's going to be very intriguing how we match up with them, with their defense. Um, and we're starting a, a freshman left tackle first since the Brigadier Ferguson. So that's saying a lot. And they're excited about him starting. It's just not, oh, you know, you got to play. And it's like, no, you playing. And we're excited about you playing. So I'm intrigued by that, by that matchup up front. Yeah, you know, I'm actually writing a feature on, on Mikhail. It's going to be on Wallace 24 7 Thursday. I actually talked to his dad today. And I also talked to his head coach and I called the head coach at um, his high school. They had no idea. So I called, said, hey, Mikhail's going to be starting. He's like, no way. Hold on. I need to tell people that he's starting on Saturday. Awesome. So, um, yeah, there, there's going to be a huge crowd in Mississippi watching uh, Virginia football on Saturday. So it's uh, they're really excited about Mikhail. And his dad said that he's not shocked at all that his son was able to do it. Obviously, if you're a parent, you're always new. You always put your kids up on a pedestal. But he said that Mikhail, who didn't play football until I think his sophomore year of high school mm. and who only played offensive line for one year, his senior year, he was on the defensive side of the ball following his dad's footsteps. He only played O-line one year and look who it is. He's a first year starter. It's remarkable. That is, that, that, that's a testament to not only his dad and how he, you know, moved him along in this violent sport, but just to his hard work and understanding how to pick up on the little nuances and details of playing offensive line and shout out to coach 2J again, who's just an architect of, of just um, developing the talent. Cause the five guys that left, he developed those guys. So that and speaks. Also, also finding these talents. Yeah. So shout out to coach 2J, man, a guy that if I'm ever down and out, I want to make sure I'm beside him. Cause he's going to cheer me up. It's the woo factor. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> Um, before I ask you for a prediction on Saturday, because I, I, you know, obviously I have to ask you a prediction. When you look at this offseason and you hear everything, all the noise around message boards, around Twitter, around everything, what is the most overrated storyline do you think going into the season surrounding Virginia football? Oh, Petty Hawk wants to answer this, but we're going to keep going. <laughs> I think the most overrated is the balance. Everybody got scared of the word balance. So the word balance in football today has evolved from we're going to run it 30 times, we're going to pass it 30 times. Balance means if I have to, I can do this. If -hmm. you dare me, I can do this. When it's needed, I can do this. And this that's their approach with the running game. So when we say we're going to be more balanced, it means we're not going to fall in love with just throwing it up and down the field. We understand um, situational football. We understand the momentum of the game. And the game that jumps out to me the most that can better illustrate balance is when we play North Carolina and they demonstrated balance by how they came out in the second half and started just running the football because they wanted to slow the game down because our well or machine was letting them have it. And they was like, look, we got to find a way to at least keep them off and take the momentum away from them use the clock to our advantage. And that's what balance can do for us when we get leads or we storm back and we get a timely stop or a turnover, we can have a long drive engineered by running the football. And running the football can be swing passes, bubble mm-hmm. screens, slip screens, because that's still a, like, they look at that as running the football. If you talk right. to uh, Coach Kitchens, and I know you have. So that's the one thing I think a lot of people kind of panicked because they didn't want to take the ball out of Brendan's hand. But sometimes you want to take it out of his hand because it's showing that we're actually winning and it's, it's an easier game. 
And when you have an O-line who's gelling together for the first time, that's what you do. Yes. That's exactly what you do. That's that's the game plan that you do. And I know I've brought it up on the podcast several times. That's what Dan Mullen did with his inexperienced O-line against one of the best D-lines in the country at Mississippi State when he was at Florida. Because yeah. that's that's the how you game plan when you're letting your O-line gel. Yeah. Um, so that's what uh, that's that's actually I kind of agree with you is I always hear 50 50 run and pass. And I always think I think you're missing the point when the balance yeah. offense is you want to extend drives because when you look at the games last year, they were so quick on offense sometimes that the defense who was struggling already was just gassed by the end of it. You had Joey Blunt playing injured on I'm, some of these games, putting his body on the the pick game no. is a prime, prime example, right? Not to cut you off. So when we jumped off sides on the field goal, and then they end up generating points. So it was like a 12-play drive. We scored mm -hmm. in three plays. Right. And then they back on the field for another step. Like, like look, we, we're always happy that we can score. But if you can, like Coach Will says, Christ, we can still – like, we got to be able to score by just running the football and keeping them off the field. We just – like – yeah, everybody wants to throw it deep. <laughs> you can't always do that. No, what happens when they play, like, I expect Richmond to play two safety high and say, mm -hmm. run it. Beater's running it. Yeah. You yeah, got less and, guys in the box. I got you outnumbered. I got to show you that I can get three yards in, in a cloud of dust. Yeah, and, and that's and that's the thing. I always joked, you know, my mom doesn't doesn't watch football. She she's she doesn't understand football. She's from Brazil. She likes soccer. She calls it American football. She doesn't understand. There you go, American football. Yeah. American football. But she actually watched a couple of games because she wants to know what her daughter's doing. And she knew that they weren't gonna run the ball. This is someone who doesn't understand football. I she knew that it wasn't gonna run the ball. So I'm guessing college football head coaches that get paid millions of dollars knew exactly what Virginia was going to do every time. If my mom, who doesn't watch any football, can tell you the play. Except Absolutely. she didn't pick a nice play of uh, throwing to the offensive lineman. She did not have that on her Man. bingo card. You bet. He, look, but Dr. Bob, when we come to Syracuse, if you don't do that play, we're going to have an issue. You better, you better keep that play alive. Because if that <laughs> is never ran again, I'm going to think you was Tony from Blue Chips out here hustling. It's just a joke. I'm not serious. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I really, uh, I think there's gonna be a flea flicker in that game to an offensive lineman. How about that? <laughs> yeah, Georgia versus Florida would have got called back. We won't play in Florida that day, though. No, uh, no, we weren't. We weren't. Um, but uh, final thing, Ahmad, what is your prediction for Saturday? Uh, my prediction is, I think the team uh, uh come out fast on offense. Defensively, I think they will as well. Um, believe it or not, I feel like these guys are going to keep everything in front of them. So you got to be sound tacklers. Um, first of all, I forgot to say the most important thing. It's going to be a lot of fans there. I, keep, I like everybody I talked to said they coming. It won't like that last year. Everybody like I'm going to the game. I'm going to the game. I'm going to the game. So I'm excited about the Scott. A 1230 game has been a lot of people there versus Richmond. But um, I could just see us just kind of imposing our will. They're a good team, like on offense. I, I really like what I've saw, like seen out of them. But I feel like we could take advantage of their defensive front. Um, it's not a knock against them. Um, but I think we're winning win by a score like 31 to 14. I think we'll put up 30-plus points coming out the gate. I agree with you to one except one thing. I do agree there will be a lot of fans because I've heard the same thing. Um, I really like they brought back Wahoo Walk. So that's going to be fun to engage the fans early on with the players walking through that. 
the players seem really excited going through it. And they also see their families too, waiting for them. So So that'll be nice for them. I agree that the offense is going to come out quick. I think um, that's going to be exciting to see. I think a lot of people get energized by seeing Brendan Armstrong out there and moving the ball pretty effectively. I think that's going to happen. I do think it's going to be a slow start for the defense. I'm going okay. the opposite of that. I think it's going to take them a while to adjust. Not, I'm not saying they're going to be go behind yeah. or anything like that. I just think it might take them. I think Richmond might be able to move the ball a little bit more in the beginning of the game, just so they can get their foot underneath them. You get those pregame jitters the first game, just kind of seeing everything live. So that's why I I give the defense a slow start on Saturday, but they're going to be fine. I don't expect an upset. So before anyone says it, I'm not picking an upset. I think Virginia's going to win. (laughs) I I always have to make sure I say that, Ahmad. Yeah, you got to. Our fans, sure. hey, our fans quick now. They quick with it. They whoa, whoa, slip up on one word. Well, you said, yeah, you no, 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 no. I, I have been on record to saying that I think this is going to be a good season for Virginia, especially if they start off perfectly ahead of that Louisville game. So I have them, I have them going pretty well this season. My predictions, yeah. I even have them I, right now. I have them beating Virginia Tech. Oh, you and you and the greatest graces ever. I know, you know I know, down there too. Trust me, it's <laughs> yes. hard beating them down there. Yeah, it but, is, but I think if you had to pick a season, granted, I said this last year too, but if you had to pick a season and you look talent-wise, this would be the year. If you look at look at the compare the roster and what Virginia brings on the offense right now in the preseason, it it's just on paper yeah. it, it, it looks good. Yeah, the past I know, five. I know, years you, don't, I know you don't win anything on paper. No, but I agree with you. The last five years on paper, we should have easily beat them. Yeah. Since 2018, it should have been dub, 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 dub. But you know, I still remember watching that 2018 game in the Florida press conf- press room. I had just coming out from the locker rooms after press, and I watched, and UVA was winning. I was like, oh, look, look at that! They're they're going to beat Virginia Tech. And I was just writing. I look up, I was like, what happened? What happened? So, because even though I left UVA, I always kept an eye on UVA. Hey, look at that! Because the universe knew you was going to come back. I like come back. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us this week. Nah, no problem. Appreciate Jack. Shout out to the two four seven message boy, man. Y'all, y'all kill me when Coach Elliott got hired, but y'all and y'all look, y'all that took it easy on me. Hey, I'm I'm still here. I appreciate y'all, but I appreciate how y'all support Jackie and all that she do. So y'all still good with me, man. Especially you two. I like how you do the two. I see you. all right thanks a lot thanks again for supporting this podcast i really appreciate all of you that have followed on here and subscribed to our podcast if you have yet to subscribe please subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcast and please leave us a five-star review on apple and spotify so thank you everyone and i hope you guys have a good rest of your week and have a safe and fun weekend